This is the CineSnob Podcast. Welcome to episode 137 of the CineSnob Podcast. I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. Cody, it's uh, um, we're talking about a, a comic book movie this week mm-hmm. um, with the Joker. Or, I'm sorry, just Joker. I, I keep wanting to put the in front of it. Yeah, okay, just, uh, Mark Zuckerberg. It is just Joker. No, remember it was uh, whoever. Um, I uh, I know what you're trying to say, but I'm saying that Zuckerberg had it as the Joker. And oh, then, God damn it, you're right. And then Sean God. Parker, played by Justin Timberlake, said, just Facebook. Yeah, you're right. Shit. God damn it. Fuck. You're losing again, just like you did in Cinephile last week. <laughs> hey, you weren't doing so great either at, toward in round the end. One. In round one, you were all right, but. I think later you didn't uh, do so well. Man, I got three. I got three, uh, six degrees in four minutes. So did you? I don't remember. Yeah, I thought. I thought we kind of both petered out at the end, but but no. I guess I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, fuck me. Anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> on the subject of comic book movies, uh, kind of some some uh, not surprising news broke this week that uh, Sony and Marvel figured out their whole uh, problem over Spider Man. Uh, yeah. And uh, they're I, I one would, big happy family again. I would call it the least surprising news ever. I guess. I mean, if you believe everything that was posted, apparently it was dead. I mean, I don't know how how that is because I don't know if you read the behind the scenes story about how Tom Holland had to come in and basically play peacemaker in the whole thing. I did. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that that that. I mean, I I was never in doubt that a deal would be worked out. But that it that it was as ugly as it was was pretty interesting. Uh, when there's just so much money to be made for both people, both parties, I just yeah. ne- I never quite understand that. But um, anyway, Spider Man's going to stay in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So hooray for, for one more movie. I don't know if that in- does that include team up movies or n- I wonder. Uh, I thought it it did at least for the one movie, and then they could use Tom Holland mm. as they saw fit. Okay. Yeah, because I know uh, that this deal is only for Spider Man three or whatever, whenever they're gonna do. Spider Man, uh, finally home. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Spider Man, Homeward Bound. <laughs> Homeward Bound two, Lost in San Francisco. Yeah, maybe. Spider Man two. What? Uh, also, uh, that was this this past week, um, or or maybe it was late last week. I don't believe we talked about it though. Uh, speaking of Marvel, uh, Kevin Feige. Will uh, be getting to make his own Star Wars movie. Yeah, and this is a another no brainer, but uh, but still a little bit crazy to see actually happen. But I mean, like, why not? The guy has a nearly perfect track record. I mean, shit. I mean, I mean if, if you're looking at if you're looking at strictly box office, it's one hundred percent perfect. But if yeah. you're uh, if you're um, you know quality over 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 uh everything else is maybe not 100% but if you make money you're perfect in hollywood i guess but i mean i think quality pretty high too i mean i don't think his, he's yeah he's not 100% but under his guidance at least once marvel got past like phase 2 maybe um especially in recent years everything that he's done has been pretty well received and 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 for a for a franchise like star wars that saw so much stink off of solo um, you know, that sort of, uh, you know, getting that back on track feels like a smart idea, but 
I was uh, talking with a friend of mine about this, uh, and I have to wonder what that means for someone like Kathleen Kennedy, who is in charge of Lucasfilm, uh, that they're bringing in, uh, you know, a no-brainer in that Kevin Feige has this this track record, but the fact that he is someone different to kind of run the show on this film. You know, this is someone who, frankly, isn't going to be fired by Kathleen Kennedy. Right. When it comes down to it. And I, and I wonder if that's an admission that that, you know, the, her way of running things isn't hasn't been working as planned uh, because, you know, it, the, the series has struggled to even find its footing out, you know, within the the realm it it, it always explores. And, and who knows what it's going to do when it tries to to step out of this. Everything's connected to the Skywalkers uh, saga. Yeah, I think they they saw because I mean the the poor performance of Solo was the thing that I mean it literally made them go okay well we're not going to churn out as much Star Wars stuff as we were originally going to because they were going to do a Star Wars movie every year and right and the poor performance of Solo that like literally had them admit <laughs> that they were putting too much content out there um, without I guess maybe putting enough thought into it I mean. Rogue One was a good hit, but um, but but Solo was not, and so I, I wonder, I, I wonder what it means if if they're trying to get that back on track without having to rely on, you know, a commodity like I mean, even like I think the next big thing that's going to happen is the Benioff and Weiss stuff, right? Well, I mean, uh, uh, technically, uh, you'd have uh, the Mandalorian premiering when. Uh, uh, Disney Plus launches, right. followed by the the uh, Rise of Skywalker, which I still feel strongly is going to be a uh, kind of back to basics uh, greatest hits clip from J.J. Abrams. But yeah, I do believe the next big project after that is the Benioff and Weiss. I don't think any of the the other um, uh, Disney Plus projects are are that far along because there's the Cassian Andor. Yeah, there's the uh, uh, Obi Wan and the, the Obi Wan again, which are both prequels to to other things that aren't connected. The Mandalorian feels like it might be the most standalone Star Wars thing we've ever seen. Yeah, um, I think that's that's probably accurate because even Rogue One was tied into the events of you know the the first Star Wars movie. Yeah. So so yeah, I, I think that. I think that it is it is the that it it sounds like it's the most standalone thing and maybe the only true standalone thing that that we're getting because you know when you factor in every prequel series and every in Rogue One and all that stuff it's all somehow tied to that. So I don't know. I it maybe seems like they're, if they're going to expand in the universe maybe have a guy behind uh behind the scenes who is good at that. Um, yeah, and and maybe finding. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I, I, it'll be interesting to see if he is just doing one movie, or if they're going to give him a series, or find a way to connect different trilogies. Or I, it, I'm, I mean, I'm very curious for that. Yeah, or or if or if he's just going to end up kind of taking the whole thing over. Right. Um. You know, I don't know what sort of uh, work that would entail, but it, it kind of feels like they don't want to overextend the Star Wars brand, like they. Uh, in, I don't. I wouldn't say they're overextending the Marvel brand, but I don't know that it could support two films a year, as Marvel does. Uh, it just doesn't feel like it's the same sort of story. Uh, yeah, 
I don't know. It, it's interesting uh, to me because it kind of signals the first to me the way it feels like a gut feeling like hey Kathleen Kennedy doesn't have this under control and she's someone who is like super close with Luke with George Lucas uh allegedly allegedly she's the reason that the, the no one's ever going to see now the um unretouched versions of the original trilogy because she is such a uh, Lucas loyalist right and he doesn't like those films so it's interesting that 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 they might be um, sort of uh, hitting a wall with the Star Wars. And, and there's anecdotal stuff I've heard, too, that the uh, the theme park expansions haven't held up or haven't uh, performed as well as they've expected. The uh, Galaxy's Edge things at Disneyland. Yeah. So I, I don't know how true that is, and I don't even know how that metric is measured. But Well, I think it's, it, the interesting thing is that it's it's weird that it feels like the Star Wars fandom is almost entirely rooted in nostalgia and rooted in the original trilogy but but oddly enough without a desire to see it expanded which is which is weird because like how does the brand grow if the diehard fans are you know feel like the original trilogy is superior but yet they don't give a shit about young han solo you know but they love han solo and they love harrison ford so uh, that's that's going to be such an interesting thing to see how they crack that because it, it really does feel like um, you know, they, they, you know, the Star Wars brand when it comes to the original trilogy is very alive, but they can't seem to like get beyond those actors in those movies. Well, and I, and I think that, you know, the closest they've come demonstrably is The Last Jedi. And there's such a fan backlash over that film. Right. That, that I'm very concerned that that scared them back into doing something safe with The Rise of Skywalker but that that sort of just proves the point, though, because the fan backlash was because they believed that Luke w- wasn't acting within the confines of his character. No, that, exactly. That's what I'm saying is that there's yeah. there's no that you know that that most of these people that are driving these the success or, or maybe the people that are the most vocal critics. I don't I don't know if how that stacks up one against the other, but it, that it's driving it back into just being the safe thing that, that everyone wants to see. Um, you know, like I want to see my fan fiction of Luke Skywalker exactly how I wanted it. I want the emperor back, even though it makes no fucking sense. Yeah. Um, and I'm worried that, that, that there's nothing new to, to mine there. And, you know, it's, uh, it's for something to grow. It's gotta be, there's gotta be able to be the ability to tell new stories, even something like star Trek, which is, you know, pretty stodgy and 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 uh, boring by comparison to to uh, Star Wars has seen success expanding beyond its original cast and original premise, um, and that Star Wars can't seem to do the same successfully is pretty pretty surprising, honestly. And I think the the bigger surprising thing for me, at least, and this is just anecdotally and just observationally, but I don't. I don't really know that the fans are all that interested in seeing it expanded in in those types of ways because you see the backlash of what happens when someone tries to come in and do something different. So I, I it's it's weird, but it seems like they don't want their stuff messed with, and it feels like they do want comfort food and they do want um, you know to be brought back to how they felt with that original trilogy and stuff. So I I don't yeah. know. It's it's a bit confounding, and I and I and so I I don't truly understand it because you know. 
as much as I didn't care for the Last Jedi, it is a it is moving everything in a different direction, which you would think that Star Wars fans would want, but they did not want it. <laughs> turns out, <laughs> I, I think that that it's it's also has the uh, added uh, baggage of being something that's been around forever, and for whatever reason, uh, whenever Hollywood tries to to either resurrect something or sequelize something that was you know that's had a generation grow up with it never seems to work positively like uh, you know it's, lesser examples have been like the indiana jones films um you know that the last crusade came out in 1989 and then in 2009 whatever we got uh kingdom of the crystal skull which a lot of people just hate uh, which and, and it's really not that different from an Indi- any other Indiana Jones film, and I think that that's to me feels like the, the part of the problem that Star Wars has to live with is that you know it's trying to recreate making someone feel a way they did when they were nine as opposed to thirty nine, right? And uh, you know it just can't it can't work like that. Whereas something like Marvel, like we've never really seen anything like this before, and everyone's growing as it's growing. You know, all, the superhero genre has changed so much since, you know, since I, arguably it was launched 30 years ago with the original uh, Tim Burton Batman film. Right. And, but, I mean, you look at that film now and that's a total, I mean, it might as well be from, you know, featured dinosaurs, real live dinosaurs. In <laughs> it, uh, because it's so different in tone and everything. But, uh, you know, with Star Wars, they're trying to make the same exact style of film that that encapsulated this uh this fandom 30 40 plus years ago and i just don't know if you still can successfully um yeah because you know it's got to be so beholden to this kind of corny style that george lucas set up and um you know and i think there's i think there is a successful way to move forward with that but i i think you can't do it with the same characters like I, i think you could move you could have moved forward with the last jedi without a luke skywalker Honestly, because people just they have this vision of what that character became and that you show him doing something else is is going to be immediate poison to some people. Right. Anyway, uh, I, I I'm eager to see it grow. If not, they can still sell Darth Vader shit for the next millennium and probably be OK. Yeah, that's very true. But uh, I, I would I'm I'm very eager to see if Kevin Feige brings something different to the table, and in whatever trilogy Ryan Jones has planned, the Benioff and Weiss, I I have no idea what to expect from them. But if it's something different, uh, I'm I'm more than more than happy to indulge. All right, let's go ahead and move on to reviews. Here are this week's reviews. First up this week we have Joker. Arthur, I have some bad news for you. <laughs> This is the last time we'll be meeting. You don't listen, do you? You just ask the same questions every week. How's your job? Are you having any negative thoughts? All I have are negative thoughts. And finally, in a world where everyone thinks they can do my job, check out this guy. When I was a little boy and told people I was going to be a comedian, everyone laughed at me. Well, no one's laughing now. 
You can say that again, pal. Now, uh, critics have been talking about this film for a long time since it premiered at Cannes over the summer. Uh, it feels like it's been kind of anticipated for uh, longer than um, than that. Yeah. Um, honestly, and uh, honestly, this is a film when it was when the it announced that it was going to be made. I thought it would never be made. Mm-hmm. But here we are, and uh, Joker is out there for better or worse. Cody, what did you think of Joker? Whew, that's a loaded question. Uh, you know, <laughs> what does I mean? It is the question, huh? It is the question. It is the question. Yeah, you know, like you've been saying, this has been a, a source of discourse in film Twitter for what seems like months now, um, of a bunch of people talking about a movie that they haven't seen yet, um, and um, you know. Early on in the trailers, I tried to, um, you know, be as neutral as possible on it. Um, I like the idea of a dark uh, origin story or a dark take on things. The thing that worried me was that Todd Phillips was behind it, um, who, you know, you may know him as the director of Road Trip and the Hangover movies. Um, so it was seemingly an odd fit. Um, <laughs> and then we found out that Martin Scorsese was going to produce it, and then he left the project as a producer and then, you know, you kind of started getting a sense that maybe Scorsese was a heavy influence by seeing like the first trailers and stuff. And so, yeah. Um, you know, I was going in expecting like, okay, this is going to, uh, be a riff on Scorsese and, uh, or some, something inspired by Scorsese and, and we'll just see if he's able to pull it off. And, you know, I, what I didn't expect was a carbon copy of many Scorsese movies, which I feel like this movie is there's I don't feel like there's an original bone in this in this film's body. I feel like at every moment it is aping either King of Comedy or Taxi Driver yeah. or Network or you know, any number of movies um that 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 it just feels so derivative. And I think when we talk about this movie, we've got to talk about two different things. I think we have to talk about the content of the movie and then the inherent problematic nature of this movie at this time and in kind of the state we are as a country in a way. And it's, it's difficult to talk about because I'm not usually one to buy into the whole like, you know, uh, violent video games cause violence type argument. But I do think that there is a conversation that needs to be had about the, this this film's place in um, inspiring or inciting different types of stuff. So I think we'll shelf that and get into that in a, in a little bit because that's <laughs> yes. the bigger thing to unpack. From a film standpoint, um, you know, my problems with it lie, I mean, they're deep because I, I, I think that, the worst sin it commits. I don't think it's a good movie. I don't think it's well made. Um, there are elements that people are talking about um, as being high points, like the cinematography and the score. Mm-hmm. Those are good. I'll give it that. Um, what I what I don't think is good is first of all the script is a mess. Um, <laughs> it, it's not only narratively a mess, but th- like the dialogue is really not the really bad. I mean, there's some very simplistic. Um, borderline like cringeworthy dialogue especially when the joker is spouting his beliefs or whatever um i also feel like it doesn't do any legwork 
for anything. And um, and so, you know, the, the biggest problem is that it doesn't have anything to say, really. It is just a display of intense violence and um, and showing a man who is kind of slowly brought down by society. And so, you know, there's a romantic storyline in there, for example, that no matter which way it goes, it's lazy. Because if you take it one way, uh, it doesn't make any sense at all on paper. And if you take it the other way, then it's the most obvious narrative decision possible. Right. Um, I, I also feel like the in, in the script, the connection to the Batman universe is lazy and uninteresting. <laughs> and uh, oh, I have things to say about that too. Yeah, and I and I and I really don't like the way that they connected. It feels completely shoehorned. I mean, it truly does feel like someone was trying to make Taxi Driver and then sort of retrofit it to the DC Batman universe, and it's and it's lazily put in there. Um, a lot of people are talking about Joaquin Phoenix. I don't I, I don't I don't think the performance is that good and I don't necessarily think it's his fault but there's certain character elements of um uh there's certain character elements of like the 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 consistent or in, uh, incessant laughing which to me was grating and I got annoyed by very early on um and I feel like when he's doing that and engaging in that or like he does a lot of dancing around and stuff it is like the definition of trying too hard to be unsettling. And it doesn't ever hit. It's never unsettling because it's so over the top and showy and gimmicky. And I, I just could never buy into that. I, I I get what you're saying with that. It does feel like, um, look, Joaquin Phoenix is capital A acting in this film. And I think for the most part, he, he's he's really good. Um I do think that there is a ton of self-indulgence in this film. I think this film's biggest sin is that it thinks it's deeper than it is. Yeah. And that's expressed uh, in a lot of ways. And, and I, you know, again, like you, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm firmly of the, of the belief that art should not be criticized for what it's trying to say. Like, you know, this, the idea that like, Hey, you shouldn't be doing this right now is not something that I subscribe to at all. Right. I just think this movie has tragically misread the room. Yes. You know, when it comes to the, the, uh, the notion in this, in this country and where we are right now, because it doesn't, you know, it, it glorifies violence in a way that, that doesn't, feel like it makes any sense you yes. know the, the movie wants you to believe that the character arthur fleck is is who becomes the joker eventually um wants you to believe that this this person is beaten down by society mm-hmm. you know that he's uh um I don't know that it necessarily wants you to believe he's an innocent person beaten down by society but he's clearly a mentally ill person beaten down by society and uh you know sort of forgotten by the system um but it, it plays it with such kind of cartoonish glee in making everyone in the world awful to him and just awful in general that it doesn't seem to uh, uh it, it's it glorifies the turn 
to yep. to yeah. violence and homicide and and all this other terrible things that happen. Like it doesn't, you know, you're you're not getting a, a proper picture of. Um, well, I don't want to say proper picture in a comic book movie, but you're not getting a picture that this guy is a villain, you know, and that's what this this is a villain origin story, whether it wants you to believe it or not, um, because it is tied to the Batman universe. And for fuck's sake, can we please <laughs> goddamn stop getting Batman origin stories in every fucking Batman movie? Yeah. We are fucking we fucking get it. <laughs> I, I'm I, in no uncertain terms. I never need to see Thomas and Martha Wayne get gunned down and the pearls falling to the alley floor again. We you know, fucking ha- we <laughs> fucking got it. You know what's funny is that towards the end of the movie, when they walk out of the movie theater, oh. I literally rolled my eyes to no one. I'm I like, l- God damn it! <laughs> I liter I literally said, "Oh, I I vocalized it, motherfuck." stop we get it uh um and and you know it it, it, look (sighs) bottom line though it it's it doesn't this movie is isn't deep it's 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 just nasty yeah and that's the problem is that it it's it substitutes being nasty for being deep and it doesn't really uh properly you know uh chart this person's trajectory from you know guy who who was getting by uh clearly mentally ill uh um you know but and forgotten by the system to his to his point where he becomes a a murderer and then like a folk hero uh taking down the rich right uh and it, it there i don't it doesn't really make any sense um and it doesn't really present any consequences for it. Well, it, here's the thing that I've been thinking about. If I can try to distill like three days worth of like serious thinking about the movie is that, you know, if it's trying to say something about mental illness, it doesn't go deep enough to present Arthur as a figure where his mental illness is is truly having an impact because the the light switch goes off instantly where he goes from – being mentally ill to murderous uh with no with seemingly no violent inclination prior to that right and and so it, he kind of flies off the handle and then the mental illness part is sort of an afterthought in everything if it's trying to say something about someone in which is the system forgets about which it does again the system was never working for him and they go through lengths to establish that the first scene of the movie is him mm-hmm. in the system and him not taking it seriously. Like he's not like the system is failing him in a sense that like, it's not working on him because he's too mentally ill. Maybe I don't know. So it's not saying either of those things, but even if it was the last act of major violence in the film is treated as if it is someone getting their comeuppance in which, yeah, in which a way that it is not earned, and it and it almost feels like that moment of violence is a justification, like like they try to justify why it happens to the point where the line that's said before uh, it happens <laughs> is is seemingly saying like, "You were mean to me 
Now get what you deserve. And exactly. That is the main problem with the movie is that the way it presents, and this is why it has implication, real world implications that are problematic because at the end of the day, because it's not strong enough in it's, in it's messages about mental illness or, uh, or the system being left behind, or even if it was, what it boils down to at the end of the day is a guy who people are mean to that gets his revenge in in violence because people are mean to him. And multiple people die because of that reason. For nothing else other than this person was mean to me. And I think that is the problem. And I don't think it's inherently uh, an issue to make a movie about a bad person or you know uh, an anti-hero or a villain or anything like that. The problem is when when Todd Phillips is is attaching this to a iconic character, but not just an iconic character, but but like years ago, someone stormed a movie theater dressed as the Joker and killed well, a bunch of people. That's not true. The the Joker thing is apocryphal. It, that that didn't. I mean, didn't he have green dyed hair? No, the guy had red hair. It, that look, that's been. That's. I, I thought he had green dyed hair. No, 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 no. It, that that's that's uh, not true. That's and, uh, that's in the, okay. Conceding <laughs> that fact, it was a. I mean, if you want to make the connection, that it was a Batman movie, but. Regardless of that, when you have when you have this this like actual you know string of violent things that are happening in a country, it feels irresponsible to uh, to put out a message that 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 says when when some, when you when you are mistreated in this world, you can get your comeuppance through murder. Exactly, exactly, and, and you know. Uh, you know the that's kind of been the narrative of you know the the mass shooter um is, you know all going back to columbine well yeah the, uh, the lonely know, the, last... the the loner the the sad or depressed loner type archetype which is literally said in the movie <laughs> yeah when, when they're like a, a, a what was it like a mentally ill loner like don't they use that exact term i don't remember but i'm i wouldn't be surprised yeah uh look and, uh, um, you know, that's kind of and a friend pointed this out to me on Facebook when I, I mentioned my my brief, um, you know, little little tirade against the Joker on there is that that's why at the end of the movie, you need Batman to punch him in the fucking face because that because, you know, you need to have the, it established that this is wrong. Uh, but I think this movie does not do that at all. Well, yeah. I mean, think about the the moment before his like big turn. It's set to him dancing on the stairs to Gary Glitter's rock and roll. Like that's a hero <laughs> shot. Like how rock can and roll. We, you, you cannot yeah. convince me that that is not a way of being a a hero shot of a guy that they're not necessarily not not necessarily vilifying, but like trying to show in his glory. Like that's supposed to like excite people or pump people up or make them smile. And I and I understand that. It, the movie doesn't necessarily have to spell out that the person's bad to know that what you're seeing is bad, but I don't think it does. I don't think it tries to spell out that anything that's happening to anyone as a victim in this movie is 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 not deserved. And yeah. I think that's a big problem that it has. And I and I think that because of that, I, to your point, the movie feels ugly as a result of that. And like, there's ugly things that happen in it. And the problem is that. It doesn't have anything to say beyond showing the ugliness. 
And Todd Phillips is not smart enough to be holding a mirror up to society. Like this is, it's, he's not trying. I do, I firmly believe that there is nothing deeper happening here. No, I, I'm, I, I'm 100% on board. I mean, it's, you're taking a character that has been, um, you know, has adapted, uh, not adapted, but has evolved over the years. And, you know, you look back at, at you can't help but look back at something like Heath Ledger's Joker, which was this agent of chaos uh, in that in the Dark Knight, you know, which a role which he won an Oscar for after dying. Um, but, you know, at that point, you know, that that's a great character. That is a great performance. And you are never in doubt as to where that that uh, um, that character lives in the realm of good or bad, according to the filmmaker. Mm hmm. Uh, you know, not that again, not that it needs to be simplistic, but he's the goddamn villain, and you know his 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 methodology and his his ability to to manipulate uh, you know the circumstances comes to a head in that scene with the fairies, yeah. um, you know where they choose not to blow each other up. Um, but going with uh, the Todd Phillips Joker, it's one of those things that that doesn't like it. Just again. It's a guy who was of questionable mental health and stability who, who you know, this is supposed to be early 80s, um, I, you know, stand in for New York, but it's Gotham City, obviously. Sort of this this cackle, uh, crackling hellhole of of just violence and, and terrible people that, you know, he, he probably should have been institutionalized. You know, he just couldn't function in normal society. And then through a series of things that are number one not his fault but number two not really that bad yeah i mean look he's uh well i don't want to say that bad but like the the there's a point mid movie where there's kind of a twist with uh the relationship between him and his mother yeah and i don't i don't understand it at all i don't it doesn't first of all it doesn't make any fucking sense and second it seems to be uh, of uh, painting a, a light, painting uh, a certain, um, uh, I don't want to say what it is because it'll spoil it, but a certain thing in in a negative light. Yeah, and and it just doesn't really make any sense to me. Like it doesn't, it doesn't represent uh, a, a a moment of him snapping. Like, look, I like the scene where he first kills. I think it's other than being kind of stupid. I mean, and it's... operatic, but I mean, it's it's a moment of like panic and 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 power that he has. But then from there, it gets it it doesn't do anything meaningful with that at all. It just becomes stupid. Well, and I see I I was never on board with that either, because it seems like the the instigating event, inciting event for that doesn't make any sense. You don't know why the people who end up being his victims are doing the things that they're doing. And I and I, I I just never felt I was never on board with with it's it's not only it's violence but like like if you're supposed to like laugh or like like even his character notes I don't I like of of like his laughing his face like his his laughing condition I think that's supposed to be played off for humor I didn't find it particularly amusing I don't but, know that it's supposed to be humor but. A lot of people were laughing. It's a it's yeah. a weird movie to see with an audience. Yes, because people are again people are cheering 
the murders, which are seemingly not deserved in that way. But, you know, I, and also there's small parts that we've talked about, like, like just lazy, dumb filmmaking. Like, you know, one of the big plot points in the movie is, is he gets embarrassed on TV and, (laughs) and and it's because he goes up in a comedy, like an open mic and kind of, bombs but in a in a really weird way and then like they show his his performance on a tv show like it's shot with a cell phone camera like it's the early 80s is someone lugging in like a giant ass camera and then (sighs) like zoomed in on an open mic night in a random comedy like it's just stupid man there's so many stupid decisions made in this movie that you can like and it's and it's the writing it's the construction of it it's the way that you know it tries to take shortcuts and stuff. It doesn't let things establish their storylines that just don't that don't make sense. I just I just think it's it's bad filmmaking. And then on top of that, it has no message behind it. And then when there's no message behind it, you're for, you're forced to extrapolate the thing that I said earlier, which is you know these people died uh, because they were mean to a mentally ill loner. That. This is yeah. I mean that that uh, that's uh, honestly that's the most alarming thing out of this whole thing. Yeah, is that that's the final message. Uh, uh, first, uh, first of all, going back to that that thing about the um, the the video, the third act of this film and the climax is ludicrously constructed. Like yeah, it does it makes you know if you know anything about anything with 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 what he's dealing with, it doesn't make a, a goddamn lick of sense. And then uh, you're treated to this rebellion uh, to end the film with everyone wearing clown masks and and yeah. and uh, sort of this hero's uh, welcome for for this villain. Um, you know the the whole point of the Joker is you know supposed to be a guy that snapped, uh, but I just don't ever feel like that snap comes. You know I don't think it ever really happens for Joaquin Phoenix's character. For the Arthur Fleck. I mean, he he gets bad shit happens to him and then he starts killing people. Like, there's nothing yeah. that really seems to crack him. Uh, and, and But and there's stuff that's supposed to meant, mean to crack him, but he almost, like, acts so instantly when he when these things happen to him that the journey – there's no journey to it at all. And um and I think that that's a big time problem. And then also a lot of the the, the background stuff too just doesn't f- ever feel um like like it's it's almost like uh Robert De Niro is like a is like window dressing in the movie. Like it's like because ninety percent of his stuff is on a TV screen. And again, like there's like I said, and again, my problem is it is aping so many different movies. I mean, like you you think about the king of comedy for example and literally there's a scene of arthur acting out his his routine on the couch talking to um you know to uh, to robert de niro's host character and there's you know uh you know going by a nickname when he's on the tv show and yeah. you know there's there's taxi driver with the gun to the head thing no, no i mean it's it's literally i mean the, the it's shamelessly Taxi Driver slash King of Comedy, which I don't necessarily have a problem with uh, for, you know, but it it pretends that it is as deep as those films when it's just again, it's just nasty. Like it's not it's not deep. It's not profound. It's just fucking nasty. Yeah. Like it, it's just 
It's a it's a guy who has a bunch of shit happen to him in a town that's full of people being pieces of shit to one another. And you're supposed to start cheering when he, you know, shoots a bunch of drunken frat dudes uh, like Wall Street bros on a subway and then inspires a revolution in in this, you know, alleged, you know, basically New York City. And the, the innocent people start dying and he all this all this shit is supposed to be just because he's a guy that's been beaten down like it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. Re- it, look, again, 100 percent. I don't believe in, in in telling art. It shouldn't have its point of view, but it should have really fucking paid attention to the climate in the society that it's in uh, right now and realize that this is not a good message. I don't want to. I don't want to accuse it of, of of inciting violence, but this is not. This is the wrong message. Well, and, and and I don't think it is on its face inciting violence. I could see how it could. I oh, can it, totally that, see how it could. Right. Exactly. I mean, I, I, again, I don't think that the, that this is um, will will the wrong people take this the wrong way. One hundred percent. Yeah. Absolutely. And and I I think that a lot of the things that we're talking about cuz I know this anecdotally cuz I've talked to people are the things that people are liking about the movie. I a, a lot of people yeah. are 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 complimenting how bleak it is. A lot of people are complimenting how uh how a major studio even like the balls it took to make a movie this dark and nasty and violent or and even attaching it to uh you know a comic book lore. The the the, the difference is and the problem is in my opinion um, and I can only speak for myself, is that the it is it is a hundred percent for shock value. And there is nothing it is it is Todd Phillips basically saying, Hey, check it out, check out how dark I can make this, or you know, check out how violent this can go. And it's it is it has and if again, if it was if it had social commentary, if it had something to say, um, if it showed a, a downward spiral, if it showed parallels to current times, if it if it did any of that at all and justified it, it, its existence and justified the turn that the character makes i could see how that value could have but it, it but it feels so gimmicky to me where it's like hey i'm gonna make the nastiest fucking movie possible and you're gonna watch it and that's how it that's how i felt when i was doing it that they that he made the nastiest movie he could and put a dc connection to it and he's gonna make millions and millions of dollars off of what's ultimately in my opinion a poorly made really ugly movie yeah uh, i mean there's just so much here that that i don't understand the movie is getting uh an awful lot of praise. Uh, and again, anecdotally on my social media feed, a lot of people are calling us a masterpiece. Yeah. And I don't know how that, you know, I don't know how that, that bodes for us as a society society. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, um, a, a lot of, a lot of times you miss people mistake, uh, dark for serious. And I think that got, you know, a uh, pretty bald faced exposed with the Snyder uh, DC films, mm-hmm. you know, just relentingly dark and gritty doesn't make them good or, uh, or necessarily even uh, uh, deep, but you know, the, it, it can be done and has been done. Um, you know, I, I would say the Nolan movies are pretty dark. I mean, I think dark Knight is for, you know, not no pun intended, pretty dark. But it has a a, a ground, a, a you know a 
Logan, it has a, Logan is dark as shit. Yeah, but you know, it has a clear good guy and a clear bad guy. You know, and, and I think this movie is lacking a point of view that's not um you know, filtered through someone who's not uh um you know, part of the society, not you know, someone who's mentally ill, clearly, and who is feeling ostracized by society and takes it out on society and causes this revolution. And I, I think because it's not made clear, I think that the movie wants you to take its violence as amusement or to be uh, amused or um, or or seeing the violent the violence as anything but a hundred percent negative. And I think that's the problem is that I was watching the violence i got no amusement out of that and i mean violence can be amusing i mean there's there's shoot 'em up movies or martial arts well, i mean movies. i laugh my ass off at every john wick movie yeah it's just ridiculous exactly and this movie doesn't have any of it and it, it doesn't have any of that amusement that the violence that violence can sometimes have or even the the catharsis of violence because i think that mm-hmm. that's what john wick is it's it's a cathartic out like a bit of like you can kind of like let loose and, and laugh a little bit and have fun with how stupidly you know violent those movies are and for this one i was never like i never laughed after like that cathartic laugh after after a bit of violence it just because so so much of it felt so brutal with no like um with no consequence or in some cases explanation or um or justification and i think that that is the biggest problem that it has i I just i'm curious though because i don't i don't think this is the movie they set out to make i think they do have a a, a, and maybe maybe i'm too trusting but i think that that they the todd phillips and and uh i forget who his screenwriting partner was have a i i would assume they have a vision where this is supposed to be a cautionary tale maybe but i don't think it it's ever communicated other than anything other than here's this terrible guy that you know from batman here's how he became terrible because people were terrible to him like well i i don't know what the, i don't know what the message is here and then. i and i and i just don't buy that it's an exploration of mental illness because oh no no yeah. fuck no fuck yeah. no for various reasons but none greater than the fact that again it's last acts of violence is portrayed as a you were mean to me type thing and it's exactly. and, it, and it is that's not an interpretation it is exp- it is a line of dialogue by the joker <laughs> by the joker in that scene so you can you can kiss that explanation goodbye when you have oh and then and then fucking right before that, he talks about how like people that who decides what's funny. It's yeah. Like, oh, God damn it, man. This is not the fucking message that needs to be happening. Right. right. Yeah. It's it's the wrong movie at the wrong time made by the wrong person. Ultimately, you know, I, I think there's a, I think there's a decent story to be made with the Joker. Um, You know, this sort of uh, how this guy became this way. But I don't think this movie ever lets him off the hook. I, I think that it's it reminds me of. um in, in in a way 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 different way the uh, Tanya Harding film where Tanya Harding um, I, I don't want to say lets him doesn't let him off the hook it, it it totally lets the Joker off the hook for all the violence he committed the same thing happened with the Tanya Harding movie it kind of rewrote her history as like people were shitty to her and that's why this shitty thing that's why she orchestrated this shitty thing and this is the same sort of deal to me like it doesn't feel um. None of it feels earned. Yeah. You know, it feels like here's a guy who has a, a major, major mental problem. Um, 
you know, and and couldn't didn't get the help he needed for whatever reason and took it out on society and and is and became a hero for it in this movie's universe. And, you know, we're left with uh, because fuck it, we're left with a fucking shot of of little Bruce Wayne staring there after his parents have died. And, you know, he's going to be Batman. But at this point, it's like the the. It, it totally stuns his arc because that doesn't, you know, what's he going to do? You know, is there going to be these, you know, he, he's, 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 uh, uh, meant to be like a, um, you know, a product of this society of r- terrible rich people. Cause the, his father, Thomas Wayne in this film, who I originally think was written for Alec Baldwin, right? It was, yeah. Is, um, like just a supreme asshole. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, there's no, there's no righteousness in the in the Bruce Wayne story. And look, I don't mind reinterpreting stuff, but it just it I think it goes about it all wrong. Yeah. And it's um it is disappointing to me um that this movie is getting sort of um praise yeah. and I mean like adulation. Because I mean I think... the, the people who like it really really like it. And the people yeah. who don't like it really, really don't. And, like I, it. and I and I really fear, and, I, and you've already shown me some evidence of it. It's going to be one of those like critics versus the people thing again. Um, sort of. I mean, I, one thing I was talking to someone about was that it's destined to become like the the new generation of movies that people love for the wrong reason. Like uh, it's like when people wear Scarface shirts and they apparently <laughs> never watched the old ending. <laughs> yeah, or 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 like how a lot of people loved Fight Club without seeing oh, the exactly the biting sarcasm of everything in that movie. Exactly, you know. And so, I, I it will be a movie that I think people are going to love for the wrong reasons. And you know, that's fine. People can love what they love. That's fine. But for for me personally, I just I could not. I can. I never climbed on board with the way that it treats its violence with the way that it treats the Joker as a character. And, um, and, and like I said, I think the script is truly bad. Yeah. All right. What is your grade for Joker? You know, I have been toying with this, but I think the most fair thing to do would be to give it a C. Yeah, I, uh, I do think so. Um, a C is probably what it deserves. I, I do. There are things that I like. I did. I, I thought the cinematography was really great. I thought it looked great. The score is, is fun sometimes, but it's really bombastic at other times. Mm-hmm. I think Joaquin Phoenix does a really uh, good job committing to it. I don't agree with all of his choices. I think the dancing stuff is really puzzling. Man, I let me just say this real quick because uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to throw him under the bus. Uh, Kiko, our partner uh, at Cinesnob, he thinks that Phoenix is better than Heath Ledger, which I think is ludicrous. Uh, I mean, it's two different things to me. I, I don't, I don't like this portrayal better, but I, I think it's, I, I don't think it's bad. I don't think, I, think it, I mean, I, I don't think it's great, but to say that it's better than Heath Ledger to oh, me no, is no, no, insane. No. Uh, yeah. And I, and one thing I really did like, I really did like the design of the Joker. I thought it was, a, I mean, that's a character. I feel like that version is now 100% more iconic than, than Ledger's version. Mm-hmm. And that one was one that was everywhere. Um, but yeah, C uh, for me, and um, a lot of disappointment in in this and the reaction to it. All right, let's move on to our next movie, Mister America. 
you want an outsider to come in and shake things up, because San Bernardino has gotten to be so corrupt. All these numbers, you see that it's just up, 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 and that's all crime. If you commit a crime on my watch, you're going to jail forever. That's the community we want to create. In large sections of San Bernardino County, Mr. Heidecker is persona non grata. I have permission from First Amendment. He is perceived as a murderer who got away with it. He disobeyed me, it's murder! See that justice is done. Convict this individual. As far as the DA goes, uh, this Rossetti has turned out to be a total rat. And I don't know how you find these people, if you elect them or not, but maybe he'll have some competition next time. Hey, Rossetti! Oh! Vincent Rossetti, district attorney in San Bernardino, is trying to kill me. It's attempted murder happening right here. Okay, when uh, we got these screeners, Cody, you asked me if you needed to watch uh, the uh, Tim Heidecker, uh, Greg Turkington series uh, on cinema, at the cinema, Yeah, to understand this. Mm-hmm. And I said no. And I still stand by that, but I, I, after seeing this film, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, uh, this is, if you don't know Tim Heidecker, uh, he's had some some roles in, in major films. Most notably, I think his biggest uh, mainstream role was in uh, Us. Yeah, probably his biggest, I mean, he's appeared in, I mean, he was in Bridesmaids but didn't speak. <laughs> as... Yeah, and he's he was in Ant-Man uh, and the Wasp and um, uh, some other roles. But uh, his biggest role is... is probably been in this year's us with the Jordan Peele film. Mm-hmm. But again, uh, he's, he's part of, um, uh, Tim and Eric, uh, comedy duo, uh, which I, which I'm a big fan of. And I think what Steve, Dr. Steve Brule is one of their best creations ever. And that's super... my, my, my extent of Tim and Eric knowledge is I love Steve Brule and check it out. And then yeah. I, I can't, I don't have time to go into everything else because it's such a, it's such a commitment to what they do. Really. It's very absurdist humor. Um, but his solo stuff um, without Eric Wareheim uh, is pretty much performance art. Yeah. I think is the only fair way to describe it. And this on cinema at the cinema started as a podcast and then went to web series. Um, his co-host in it is Greg Turkington, who you may know better or maybe not as a comedian, Neil Hamburger, mm-hmm. which is his persona, which is also uh, an anti-comedy sort of yeah, uh, performance yeah. art thing. Yeah, I it's kind of like a like a a, a bizarro, strange uh, Tony Clifton. Yeah, I think. Um, anyway, so this is a a film that follows the character of Tim Heidecker from On Cinema at the Cinema as he runs for district attorney in San Bernardino County after having um, been tried for murder for hosting a. Um, uh, like an electronic music festival and selling drugs to, I think they uh, were they were bad vape pens, right? Bad vape pens that killed nineteen uh, people. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of backstory in this film. Yeah, but it's a it's a mockumentary. Yeah, uh, about him running for district attorney. So anyway, what what did you think of of Mr. America? You know, uh, and so just to let people know, so this is a a movie that's getting a one night engagement on Wednesday, October 9th. Uh, it's in various theaters across the country, and that's where you can catch it. Which is why we're we're actually reviewing it before it comes out, so that you have a chance to hear about it and then see. Yeah. It. But um, you know, I, I did ask you about seeing on cinema at the cinema uh, because I heard that it was a spinoff of that, and then I started looking into it, and I was like, maybe I'll watch it. And I watched like the first season and a half over the past couple of days because they're quick episodes. 
Yeah. And I quickly saw that the lore of it is out of control. Like, <laughs> oh, I mean, it's it's it is ridiculous because because it like a, a joke from that became an entire series with Decker. That was a that was a it's, joke that was on cinema. And then the, the <laughs> t- Tim uh, Tim's murder trial, which they reference in here, there's literally five hours <laughs> I know, I know. of a straight laced <laughs> fake murder trial. And I mean, uh, and I mean, like when you say straight laced. You think those are real people? Yeah. Like it, it. I mean, there is there is no no uh, uh, breaking for the camera. There's no jokes. Almost. Yeah. Um. And and, and uh, yeah. I mean, it's the the and there's also like a he has a a heavy metal band. Oh, Decker. Yeah, that's a based on the show. Anyway. Yeah. It's. I mean, the universe is vast, and 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 like you said, I feel like maybe a lot of what was in this movie would have been enhanced by being familiar because i mean they do a pretty decent job of letting you know like the lore that's relevant to what's happening inside the movie i just wonder how much of it would have been enhanced by having seen the show um i think what it ultimately boils down to is it's a it's a commitment to a bit that doesn't have a ton of comedic payoff in, in in stretches that are too long so in a comedy if you're if your laughs are happening every 10 minutes that's not a good thing and uh, and ultimately, what it ends up being is a is a true mockumentary of Tim doing relatively mundane things uh, as running this fake. I mean, campaign. As I mean, the movie portrays it as being real, but uh, running this fake campaign. And I think that mm-hmm. there's some funny stuff peppered throughout. I think that the best stuff comes when Greg comes in because Greg is. Greg is basically playing his on cinema character who loves to accuse Tim of not knowing anything <laughs> about movies. And it, it keeps referencing the Shaggy DA, which is a move, which is a Disney movie I've actually seen. Yeah, oh, really? I didn't, yeah. <laughs> it's a sequel to the Shaggy Dog, if you remember the Shaggy Dog. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, and, and there's, I mean, there's some funny stuff in there because the idea that he's running for district attorney is because he represented himself in court, and it was a mistrial because one juror didn't agree on it, and so, and so, like he says, he has a lot of experience because he represents represented himself once. And there's the, the best scene of the movie. There's a town hall that kind of goes haywire, which I was laughing a lot in that scene. And it's a mm-hmm. it's a lengthy. It's about a 15 minute scene probably, and it happens a little bit towards the end of the movie. But but a lot of it comes from Greg, which is like. <laughs> So like so Greg mentions that he was on trial and and Tim is like we're not going to talk about that trial and then Greg makes a comment about like yeah it was for mass murder and I don't know <laughs> I don't know why that that cracked me up so much but um you know beyond you know once Greg is not in the picture because the, the, what it really boils down to is is kind of Tim and Greg's rivalry is the greatest source of comedy within the film um, mm-hmm. And I think that it doesn't have nearly enough of that to uh, to really kind of hammer it home. I think it's funny in in in, in spurts, but um, the commitment to the bit I think almost hurts the movie as a whole as a comedy. Yeah, you know, I I think it it feels like it wants to be uh, sort of Borat ish, maybe not quite as much. And I just don't think that. That there's any super outrageousness from from Tim, uh, the character. I mean, there, there's there's really only one joke when uh, when he's you know in his scenes, and it's uh, you know he keeps calling the the sitting district attorney a rat, mm-hmm. and he has all these campaign signs we ha- saying we have a rat problem yeah. printed up, and he get puts them in businesses, uh, <laughs> which which is which is a funny joke. Um, it's less funny now that you know that it's uh, that it's not real, and he's wasn't really feel, uh, 
fooling these people, I guess. I don't know. It's still funny. But that's really the only kind of joke in the film uh, on his part. Um, you know, the, the turkeys and stuff is by far the funniest. And every time he shows up, it's I, I, I was way, way happier watching the film. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it it literally is a straight supposed to be a straight faced documentary of this guy who's slightly unhinged running for district attorney. And it it just doesn't have enough to it to make it feel um, like it's, you know, like it's uh, subversive at all. Well, I think I think the problem is that it could have because I feel because the character of, of Tim on on cinema is like super like right wing Republican. Right. And I don't think that they that they tap into like the Trumpian nature of that character inside oh. the movie and they could have. Yeah, I mean and the I mean the things he's saying are super Trumpian. Uh you know, he's talking about uh you know, returning the town to uh he's in the the barber shop and he talks about returning the town to when it was good for mm-hmm. people and they're like yeah, he's like, oh, I know what you're saying, racism and you know it it uh it has that element to it, but it just doesn't it doesn't really find anything funny to do with it. I, I, and, I, and, I and I don't even know yeah. that it's trying I, that's, either. That's the point, and I think that's the great point. So first, I don't. I just doesn't lean into that right wing like making fun of Trump stuff. But I think you're exactly right. I I can't tell. I I I think it's not funny in long spurts, but I don't think it's trying to be funny either. In certain times, mm-hmm. and I think that, and I think that maybe that's like the anti-comedy stuff that happens with some of the, the, you know, especially with with Greg, but a little bit with with Tim as well that I've seen in the past. But I I don't know that it's it's not like it's swinging and missing. I just don't think it's swinging a lot of the time. Yeah, I mean the you know the the Greg stuff is is obviously supposed to be funny, and it is funny. The Tim stuff is. Um, I, I don't know. It's just it's totally straight faced, you know. And he's playing a, a he, he, it almost reminds me of a like a, it, it, he's like a non funny Michael Scott, yeah. You know, in the mundanity, uh, or or even uh, going back further, David Brent from the original Office, uh, Ricky Gervais. There's just nothing there, though. There's this mundanity of this guy who thinks he's exceptional and no one gives a fuck, um, but. You know that, and that can be funny, as I just mentioned. There's two examples right there, but this isn't trying to be, yeah. and it's off-putting. And you know, maybe it's a uh, if you if you follow this series long term, maybe it's it's right in your wheelhouse. But you know, I've only dabbled in on cinema. I've dabbled in Decker. Um, you know, I'm just not. Uh, uh, I think uh, Tim Heidecker also has like a couple of like totally straight faced albums. Well, so and when you said performance art, that made me think, so he put out an album this year. So basically he, he's super, he's a very liberal person and is like that on, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And basically the right wing people got a hold of him and started calling him a cuck and started, uh, starting a rumor that his wife left him. And so what he did was he made a entirely straight laced breakup album about his wife leaving him and released it. And it's apparently like a great, like really, really good. But, yeah, but I've that, heard that. But that's the sort of performance art we're talking about. Like like people made fun of it. Like people tried to slam him for his wife leaving him. So he went and made a breakup album when his, you know, none of it is true, but he kind of leaned into it. <laughs> and I think that's the kind of performance art that is that is funny when it's not trying to be because you're like, he's he's sort of sticking it to 
you know, the, the, you know, the right wing Trump people and making good art with it. And this doesn't have that same type of thing where it's like, you know, he's, he's leaning into, again, I don't think he's leaning into it hard enough to, to make it an enjoyable watch because over the runtime of 90 minutes, it, it gets a little bit rough, you know, Mm -hmm. in the middle of the movie because there's not enough happening and so if this was like a short film or a series like a tv series in in its smaller chunks i think it would have been a little bit better but as a feature length film there's too there's too many long stretches of the movie without anything funny in it yeah i i agree what's your grade for for mr america you know i as much as we talk about that i don't think it misses by much and so and I really really love that 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 uh town hall scene. I think it's really really <laughs> funny. From from how it starts to then having Greg show up and then having every, it, it derailed like the stuff with his hat and stuff like just just The hat god damn it the hat joke cracked me up every time it happened. <laughs> me too. And how he just Greg would just put it back on. <laughs> but even like earlier in the film where you you learn that Tim hates uh, promotional hats. Uh-huh. And he like it, 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 Greg has just like shitty Ads for the time, the the Guy Pierce Time Machine movie, <laughs> yeah, and then uh, the Pacino McConaughey two for the money, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So I don't think it misses by much. So I'm going to give it a C plus. I can't recommend it, but I don't think it's that far off. Yeah, I think a C plus is fair. I think that I mean, obviously, if you're a fan of this on on cinema at the cinema, uh, you'll probably it's probably made exclusively for you. Yeah, and I, I do really really like Tim Heidecker. Um, I think he's, I thought he was great in us. Uh, I, I love Tim and Eric. Um, most of the stuff they do, the Dr. Steve Brule stuff that they've come up with is some of the, the funniest shit I've ever watched in my life. Oh, agreed un- um, entirely. But, uh, uh, this stuff is, is a little too far down the rabbit hole for me to, to have, uh, experienced this dry. So, uh, I, a C plus is, is probably as fair as I can get. All right, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, next week, uh, Gemini Man is coming out. Yeah. I don't know if I have a screening for that. We do, so you uh, might want to check. I, I got to check on that. Uh, it's not getting great reviews so far. No, it's really um, not. And then uh, uh, I don't know if you have a screening for the Adams Family film. Oh no, I, uh, I don't think we do. I don't. I don't either. It's not something we typically cover here. Anything outside of Disney or Pixar. But there is another one that you may be forgetting. Oh, am I? Yeah, uh, El Camino. Oh shit! Yeah. Yes. God damn it! I I totally forgot about that, and I saw an ad for it on Facebook today. Yes, El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie, which of course we will be reviewing. Yeah. Um, I am very very excited for this film. I am too, to the point where I'm gonna go see it in theaters. I'm gonna. Yeah, you uh, puss. <laughs> I'm gonna I, I'm gonna hold off on on that uh, 2 a.m. screening or whatever whenever it's loading <laughs> on Netflix. And you know, I the, the Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul is so goddamn cinematic and looks so great. That I, I want to take the rare opportunity to catch it on, on the big screen and and you know f- for all intents and purposes from what I've heard is this is treated like a like a feature film I mean it's a two hour movie so mm-hmm. you know um, I, I want to you know I want to kind of check out and see what that's like so I'm really looking forward to seeing if they're able to pull it off because on paper I'm a little hesitant to kind of go back to the well um, and I know that Better Call Saul works but I just I, I want it to be like. You know, I've heard upwards of ten Breaking Bad characters appear in this, and I don't want it to be that sort of reunion show that Breaking Bad sort of kind of has a. I'm, I'm sorry, with that Better Call Saul, especially with the addition of Gus Fring, kind of teeters on that a little bit. I don't know that it ever fully goes in there, but um, 
you know, I'd like to see something that truly stands alone. Um, so I guess we'll see what happens. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I it, it's supposed to take supposed to start moments after the finale mm-hmm. of Breaking Bad, and I'm I'm. It's never a world I don't want to revisit. I mean, I love Better Call Saul. I see what you mean with the uh, the Breaking Bad things uh, being uh, sort of just a cameo, not cameo, but you know, a reunion with the Better Call Saul. But I mean, it is a prequel, and it is uh, it does keep those storylines very separate. Yeah. Um, I, I still I still love it, yeah. I, and I still think that 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 this world is so rich and it's so full of great characters. Um, you know, Bob Odenkirk's Saul is is amazing. I, I love Jesse Pinkman, um, especially those last two seasons where he was pretty beaten down. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's good work. Uh, this really good work from Aaron Paul. So I'm very very excited to see it. And then I'll probably next week talk a, l- a little bit about my experience with S and M. Uh, in theaters on Wednesday is the Metallica S and M two. Uh, oh. a uh, a twenty twenty something odd years, maybe twenty years after their uh famous performance with the san francisco philharmonic orchestra uh they they were the first event ever in the chase center which was where the warriors are going to be playing uh, in san francisco and uh it's like a two and a half hour concert film so i will be going to that oh sounds great <laughs> it will be <laughs> you are never more from san antonio right now <laughs> when you're talking about this metallica show. oh i know and you went to an Iron Maiden concert last week. I did. I, mean, I, I saw Iron Maiden last. Good night. fucking god, dude! And then I, <laughs> I, man, I tell you, if you wanted to see San Antonio, I went to, um, I went to the theater to see Britney runs a marathon a couple weeks ago, and uh, Rob Zombie's Three from Hell was showing. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, for sure. And uh, and in, it was sold out, and in the lobby, it looked like, uh, it looked like an Iron Maiden concert. <laughs> 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 I was like, I was like, is is ninety nine five Kiss like outside doing a promo or something? <laughs> it's exactly never, what you would expect. I'll never forget. A friend of mine like told me a story once, a couple years ago in uh, in San Antonio. He's like, like, and with with legit like, can you believe it? Energy. He talked about listening to some Metallica song in his in his house. And he walked outside and got in his car, and the same one was playing on Kiss <laughs> uh-huh. at the same time. And he was like, "Can you believe it?" I'm like, yeah, one hundred percent. That is the least like surprising thing ever. I mean, Kiss doesn't. I mean, Kiss only plays songs that were that happened from like a ten year period, from like nineteen ninety five to two thousand five. And that's oh yeah, it. they I, they don't play new music, right? Yeah. I mean, like if Disturbed puts out a new song, they'll play it, but that's about <laughs> right. it. <laughs> but yeah, you're hearing a lot of Godsmack in there. Oh my god, yeah. from from 2001. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that town. All right, if you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at cinesnob.net. Find us on Twitter at cinesnob, Facebook cinesnob critic. Um, you can find Cody at every Metallica concert that's happening. Um. Mm-hmm. um I don't know. Good had, slam, was, bro. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I kind of already made that joke already, and I try to do it again. And, and hey, if you're listening to this and you see the post on our Facebook page, let's uh, let's discuss the let's discuss Joker. I, I know it's oh, going to yeah. be a hot button issue, and I'm I'm more than happy to engage in conversation because I think it is it does deserve a lot of conversation. To be quite honest, yeah, it's such a it's such a polarizing thing. I mean, it's making a ton of money already at the box office, so yeah, it's a huge hit. Uh, anything else? No, I think we're good. All right, on that note, I'm Jerry Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob Podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.